that always throws me off when I start. <laughs> it started doing that, what, like three weeks ago? All right, here. Today, I am really excited about this episode. I get to have a friend named Mike Flynn on the show with us who is a husband, father, entrepreneur, podcast host of The Impact Entrepreneur, author of Master the Key, a public speaker, and a world-class human being. Mike, how are you? I am doing well, man. Thank you very much for that kind introduction. You bet, man. So, Mike, I am just thoroughly excited to, to just share with my audience a little bit about our friendship over the past, um, I don't know, would you say last four or five months, six, seven, yeah, eight six, months? Six, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry here. I got distracted because that changed on me. Okay. Yeah, no worries. You know what? I'm just going to start in from the top if you're okay. Yeah, that's cool. I apologize because once that changed yeah. it. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, I got it. Today, we have an awesome show for you, and I'm really, really excited to have Mike Flynn on the podcast today. He is a husband, father, entrepreneur, podcast host of The Impact Entrepreneur, author of Master the Key, public speaker, and a world-class human being. Mike, how are you? Evan, I am doing fantastic on this fine Monday morning. Thank you so much for having me on the Whole Person Podcast. You bet. Mike, you know, before we start, I just want to share with people a little bit about our friendship over the past six or seven months from when we first met. I, I came across you on a different podcast where you talked about the bridges of success. And then I was like, man, I've got to meet this guy. I knew you were in finances, so I had some financial questions as well, reached out to you. And from there sparked a, a good friendship to the point where you almost feel like a little bit of an older brother to me mm -hmm. and so slash mentor. And I absolutely love that because in all honesty, and, and, and I'll have Mike share a little bit about the bridges of the success, but more than anything, I am where I am today because of this man pushing me and helping me get to launch this podcast. So from the bottom of my heart, Mike, thank you for your book. Thank you for your time and wisdom and encouragement and guidance to help get me this far. Thank you for saying so. It's, it's been, uh, it's an honor and I just want to express gratitude to you for having the courage to reach out and to, and to say you needed help. You wanted advice. You wanted to share what your dreams were and your fears and anxieties were with me. And the reality is that there are a lot of people who are talkers and, and, and many, many less people who are doers because there's a, there's a cost that comes with the doing, right? Dreams are free, but actually doing costs something. It costs time. It costs finances. And it costs maybe some ego and pride to 
acknowledge and have the humility to to acknowledge and admit that we may not know everything and and for you to reach out to me six or seven months ago out of the blue was really edifying for myself and frankly there's in the three years that i've been doing this experiment called the impact entrepreneur show there have only been a handful of people that have done that so Mm -hmm. kudos to you i appreciate it you know you you came up with the bridges of success and you even helped me come up with the will of wisdom that the name for a different name for the bridges of success and real quickly um for those of you listening you know i talk about faith family finances friendship fitness and fun well mike is the one that really spearheaded that and authored it so mike real quickly tell us how you came up with with what you called the bridges of success which then we deemed the wheel of wisdom later and that was your idea by the way yeah yeah so it's the six bridges to personal growth and well-being um is is how is how i classified them um and and then you reached out to me through the process of this and and asked uh for permission to use them as well and I'm like, dude, you don't need my permission because I don't own faith, family, fitness, friends, finances, or fun, and nobody else does either. Uh, and, and it's just a way of making sense and, and understanding core values. And I'm a visual person, and we, we, we move about life on bridges, right? We, we cross from one place to another frequently. The only thing that is available to us to cross a great ravine is a bridge. And sometimes those bridges are long. Sometimes those bridges are short. Sometimes they're very, uh, they've got a lot of infrastructure. Sometimes they're very dilapidated and flimsy. And that represents the various areas, the various six bridges in our life, our faith, our family, our fitness, our friends, our finances, and our fun. And sometimes those bridges, maybe, maybe your faith life is rock solid, right? Maybe it is like the Bixby Bridge in Big Sur, California, which is beautiful. And people look at it and they're like, oh my gosh, how does that happen? Like maybe, maybe that's what your faith life life is. Or maybe, maybe your faith life is more like one of those rope bridges that's hanging on by a thread right now. And you need to pay attention to it and refortify it. And, and, and you could take that kind of look at any of those six areas in your life, which are the, really the, the six most important areas of, of life. We need to have faith, right? And even if you're listening and you're not a person of faith, we need to have faith in, in God and, or, or in our our abilities, right? If you're not a person of faith, you have faith in what you are capable of doing. You have what Dr. Albert Bandura refers to as self-efficacy, the ability to produce a desired result. And, and if you don't feel confident in that, then that's a bridge that you need to personally work on. But faith, family, fitness, friends, finances, and fun Fitness is an incredibly important one as well, because not because of the outcome of, 
of living a fit life and eating well and exercising well, but because the only thing that we have pretty much absolute control over in our life is our actual body, right? We can move our body in time and space. And that actually reminds us of what we're capable of. It actually refires neuropathways in our brain or creates new ones that unfold opportunities for creativity and effectiveness in every single area of our life. So that's a little bit of a snapshot of how I came up with those six bridges and the role that they play in my life. Well, and now it's playing a role in my life and even the people that listen to this show because when I came across the, because you were a guest on, I believe it was the mentee when right. I heard that uh, your, your bridges of success here. And I was just like, that makes so much sense. I need to apply this to my life. And again, for those of you listening, I just, Mike, thank you so much for, for not only authoring that, but I mean, that is a huge part of my personal growth and story now because mm-hmm. now I have clarity of focus mm-hmm. on what, what's most important in, in my life and in personal growth. You even wrote a book called Master the Key. And the, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. The main character, Steve, essentially went on this journey of self-discovery in a lot of these areas from, that stemmed from these bridges of success. So give us an overview about the book and then even why you wrote it. So the, the book is called Master the Key, A Story to Free Your Potential, Find Meaning, and Live Life on Purpose. And it's a parable. It's a fictional story that will lead readers to the truth that dwells within them. And I wrote it because people I've observed in myself and in others that we have oriented our lives toward the pursuit of status and achievement. And when status and achievement are suddenly taken away, our identity is rocked, right? we oftentimes associate our sense of worth and, and value with the, the byproducts of what the world refers to as talent, right? Or, or success, right? The, the money and the, and the riches and the fame and the fortune and all that stuff. But all of that can be taken away in a moment in the blink of an eye. And then what are we left with? Well, what, I have been preaching and the book teaches is that each and every single one of us already possesses the key that we need to succeed in every area of life, no matter what season we are in. And that key for many of us has been broken into four pieces, which make up the four parts of the book, story, gifts, action, and community. And our story, that is the the narrative that we tell ourselves, is the most important, most foundational aspect uh, of the key. That 
obviously the, the, the story element and the community element are the two bookends of the four pieces. And then you have gifts and action in between, but how we show up in the world and what we believe we're capable of is largely determined by the stories that we tell ourselves. And I know that, you know, in, in talking with you, Evan, that, you know, the, the stories that you were believing and holding on to in your own life had tremendous power over you and, and were inhibiting you from realizing some of the, the potential that you had within you, potential meaning power, right, that you have within you that's unused power. So what were some of the, un, the false stories that Evan Herman was holding on to that you were reminded that you have the ability to control and direct the narrative of that? So for starters, when you're talking about we have this idea of success that we want to achieve and we kind of make that our identity. Um, I have a podcast coming out later about this, but I really learned from a guy by the name of Craig Westoff as well and your book that it is not only self-hatred, but it's also idolatry. And because I perceived I should have been made a specific way and that way is the idea that perfect image of who I am and I'm not and I'm trying to achieve that individual and honestly I can't because he's perfect and I'm not and then I hated myself essentially for it one of the other stories that I was telling myself is that while I want to be a public figure, a speaker, a teacher, an author, that I don't have anything value-wise to give to people because I'm a hurt and broken individual. And I had this idea that I needed to come from a place of almost perfection to speak to people, to give them the advice to grow and self-develop. And through the process of just this podcast journey. I was just like, what if I don't come at my life from the perspective of having it together? What if I come from it from the perspective of being a broken individual who's in the pursuit of the wholeness, a whole person? And it was out of that that I've started seeing more love towards myself. I feel like my life has been more fulfilled in what I'm doing now versus the ideas and dreams that I've wanted to achieve that haven't happened. And, you know, kind of specifically about your book, Steve is the main character and he goes through, I don't want to give the book away because I want you guys to read it, but there's this one part where Steve meets this guy named Fidel and Fidel kind of shares his story with Steve and it, Fidel, I felt like I could relate to Fidel in the book probably more so than, than Steve because Fidel, he originally wanted to be a doctor and he was from Cuba. Well, it was Cuba, right? Yeah, Cuba, yeah, correct. Okay. And so, you know, he went to school to be a doctor. His father passed away. He has to go home and take care of his family drive taxi to support his mother and sister. 
So then he saves money, comes over to the U.S., drives vehicle here, but he ends up becoming a real estate agent. So when I became a real estate agent, it was more of a second choice for me, not my first choice, which was to go into a pastoral position. But I'm realizing now that I am where I'm supposed to be and I had these expectations and these dreams of being something different that I not only had to lay down, but I learned that fulfillment doesn't come from what I'm doing but the person that I am. Mm -hmm. And Fidel in your book showed me that. Hmm. That's powerful. And, you know, the, I love the approach that you took for starting the whole person podcast because it comes from a place of humility, right? Of, of acknowledging that we're, that, that we're broken, that you're broken, that you have wounds, that you're in the process of, that you're in the process, emphasis on the word process, of becoming who you are created to be. And that requires a great deal of humility. And humility, as the janitor teaches in the book, is the fertile soil from which our gifts will grow. Mm. And, and that is a, an ongoing process. And I, I happen to live in Santa Cruz, California, and I'm about a half a mile away from the, the beach um, and this beautiful cliffside called East Cliff Drive. And, and I can go for a walk and I can watch the waves crash on the shore. And, and it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. It's, it's lovely to watch and the surfers out there catching the waves and stuff. But when you look at those waves hitting the side of the rock. Think about it. If that, if that cliffside were a person, how would it like getting smacked and changed every day? Right. It's, it's a beautiful, ever changing, ever evolving, sometimes painful process, the process of becoming who we are created to be, but it requires a place being in a posture of, humility and acknowledging that we don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. I actually made a, a post about that today that I don't have it all figured out. And that a lot of times I feel judged and, um, and misunderstood and alone as a result of, you know, other people's expectations on me having it all figured out, but I don't. And I have to be okay with that because my number one objective is not, to become some famous person. It's to give away my giftedness to other people. You know, when you think about you, I know you are a great, I think that I don't, I know that you don't feel this way. Okay. Cause in our conversations, but I feel like you are a great communicator and, and that, and, and the reason why I feel that you're a great communicator is because I think that you, you score incredibly high in emotional intelligence. I and, and so, and that is definitely a gift of yours. And, and you've had to adjust your understanding of gifts, right? So you have your story, you have your giftedness, you have the action that you take and you have your community and one leads to the other. So when you think about your, 
your giftedness personally for you, how has your understanding of gifts versus talents changed over the course of say the last decade for you? Mm. Wow. That's a good question. When I started, okay. So from when I was seven years old, I wanted to be a pastor. I went to Old Roberts University, got a degree in theology, graduated, got married the next week and was unemployed for nine months. I couldn't land a job in a church to save my life. And over the past 10 years, I have been a part of six different churches trying to participate in vocational ministry. I got to the point where, where I got burnt out by trying to help other people in ministry because either A, it's not where I'm supposed to be, or two, let me take this back. I perceived that that was the call of God on my life, was to, to speak from a stage as a pastor. But what I've learned is the call of God on my life is to live out the heart of God by loving others back to life. And I can do that despite what vocation I'm in. Mm -hmm. And as I put the identity down of doing something and picked up the identity of becoming someone, the person that God has called me to be, things started naturally falling in place. So for example, this year, the, the podcast happened. But before the podcast, I had a TV show. And before the TV show, I was making a lot of Facebook videos and each one led to the other in ability and skills. And even down to, even before we started the whole person podcast, I was going to buy another podcast. And I probably wouldn't have had that conversation without you, number one, because you helped connect me with that individual. And then, and then two, because of the other stuff I've done. What happened is in the, I'm rambling, man. No, you're doing good. Okay. What happened is I've realized through the last year that my ability is in asking questions with people because I've always been someone who likes the one-on-one. And it's almost as if I had a revelation of my gift of talking with people communicating, interviewing, speaking, asking questions, not from a position of, hey, let's record this and let me, you know, make a product out of this, but out of a desire to learn and grow. Mm. Mm. Dude, I think that that's incredibly powerful. And I think that, (sighs) you know, you just, I made you keep going because um, you were doubting yourself there for a second. Yeah. And, And that last part was incredibly important for you to give voice to. Otherwise, that would have remained one of the other 80,000 thoughts that we, that we uh, don't give voice to every single day. And so, 
you know, good for you for vocalizing that and for, for pursuing that. Thank you. It's, it's crazy because I've pursued something that, that I thought I was called to do for over, well, since I was seven, I'm 30, I'm about to be 32. That's, that's a very long time to pursue a dream and then just walk away from it. But mm-hmm. as soon as I abandoned my, my thoughts of what I was supposed to be, God naturally brought things together into something that I wasn't expecting. And because I'm so early on this journey, I don't know quite how to articulate it or what God will use or do through this. But all I'm saying is I feel more fulfilled doing this, having intimate one-on-one conversations, learning and growing than I've ever done creating a, a message for, for a congregation or anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's more blessed, if that makes sense. Because when, when you abandon to God, when you abandon your dreams to God's will, and then God, you follow God's leading and what he wants you to do. Not saying it's always going to be easy, but it's going to be blessed or anointed, so to say. Because, Mike, man, the people that I've talked to, there's no reason why a show with that's just beginning should have had the amazing guests that we've had. Mm-hmm. There's just not, except for the God factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you've definitely had some amazing guests. I mean, like Michael Hyatt and, I mean, like, yeah, that so that's that's amazing. So there's definitely some 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 uh, some momentum behind what you're doing. You know, the the wind beneath your wings, so to speak. You know, <laughs> um, but it's only because you per, you pushed through fear and doubt and limitation and obstacles. What what was at stake for you in all of that? Several things I felt like were at stake. One was my own happiness. The other thing too is I bought podcasting equipment, a soundboard four or five, five years ago, you know, cause I, I felt then that I was supposed to start podcasting, but because I never felt like a perfect or whole person, I just didn't. And, and it wasn't until I really got in communication with you that the idea behind what podcasting for me looked like started changing to something that that was real and not fake. And I could get behind that because I didn't mm-hmm. want to do a podcast that was fake, me coming from a position of, of strength when I'm, I'm actually coming from a position of brokenness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, I mean, it, it's good that you're pouring out your gifts, you know, and that you're giving them out to the world and you're not leaving them stored up in some cellar. You know, I, I just read this article. I was curious. I Googled what's the most, and, and you understand this because you read the book, that there's a scene in the book where the janitor is explaining to Steve the process of winemaking and they're down in his wine cellar, right? And so I was like, what's the most expensive bottle of wine ever sold? And it was this 
bottle of wine. It was sold in 2018 at auction for $538,000. And um, it is a Romanet Conte. It's, it's one of like, there's like 70 of these bottles in the entire world. There's a, a great deal of history behind these bottles. The, the, the person that made them, when they were made, where they were made, the war, the World War II, all of that stuff. There's a lot of history that creates this perceived value of this wine, right? And then people with resources bid it up to $538,000. But guess what? The thing that is likely going to happen with that valuable prize is it's going to sit in someone's cellar never to be open just to be looked at and that's a tragedy and too many of us in our own lives live like that bottle of wine Mm. if you think about our value from a our lifetime economic value like the value that we represent to our family in terms of the income that we earn it's in the seven figures over our entire lifetime. So we are worth significantly more than that bottle of wine in just economic value, let alone the impact that we can have in people's lives by, by helping inspire them and calling them to act. But unless we actually open ourselves up and, and maybe sometimes that gives, that requires another person being the corkscrew to pop open the cork so that we can let the effervescence of Mike Flynn and Evan Herman and, and the people in this world out into, to share with others. Unless we do that, we're just going to be like some expensive bottle of wine there for show in someone else's cellar. And it will only be seen when someone happens to come down into the cellar to see it. But we need to take ourselves out of the cellar. We need to open ourselves up and share our fruit, the fruit of our suffering, our challenges, our victories, our triumphs, our travails with the world. And you're what, doing that. What got you to that place? Well, I mean, the, the, the story of Steve in the book is, is loosely based on my own personal journey. Uh, because I, as you mentioned, I have been in finance for the last 15 years. I started in 2005 uh, and was incredibly successful right off the bat. And I was, I was pursuing hardcore status and achievement, you know, um, and, and I felt like I was in control and that I had checked off all the boxes. I had married my childhood sweetheart. I had a bunch of money in the bank. I had, you know, I was doing a ton of business. I bought a home in Santa Cruz, California. Um, you know, I was successful, quote unquote, in people's eyes and in my own, right? until the financial crisis happened and oh and by the way i was physically fit right all of those things right and then financial crisis happened and you know 
finances dwindled, um, home values plummeted, no new business, health went into the crapper, marriage went there too. I had lost nearly everything, including my sense of identity and self-worth because I was no longer this quote unquote successful man who had money in the bank, was physically fit, married his beautiful childhood sweetheart, had a nice home in Santa Cruz, California. And I was just this broke and broken person. And the, the turning point for me ultimately was in that process, in that period of time from 2008 to 2010, my wife and I went from having two kids to four kids. And when our son Charlie was born in December of 2010, I had a mental breakdown and I was diagnosed with male postpartum depression in January of 2011. And that put me, because my wife came to me and she said, I, this, the, way, the way you are acting is not like you. I don't know what's going on. Can you please talk to someone? And so that put me in the chair of a therapist, and, which was the scariest place that I've ever been. Because it required me to acknowledge that I might not be well, that I might not have all the answers. It was going to require me to be vulnerable, to share things I might not have shared with anyone else, including my wife, to this stranger. But it was at the same time the greatest gift for all of those reasons. Because I was able to direct, I was able to reflect, and the, the word reflection means bend back or direct light or heat onto something. And I, through this intentional act of conversing with this therapist, was able to bend back and direct light and heat onto things that had fake control over me because my brain was a runaway horse. Instead, this gave me the power to take the reins back and to direct the direction that those horses were gonna be galloping. And I've been meeting with that person, Dr. Jennifer Davis, every quarter for the last eight years. She's my mental health coach. And it's, it's been the greatest gift ever. But that was really, rock bottom for me and and gave me the ability and the freedom to turn a corner and to separate my 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 identity from being chained to the pursuit of status and achievement that's a hard process it's ongoing i mean <laughs> you know it's yeah. not a one and done thing man it's it is a daily act of will and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's really hard. And I'm going through a phase right now where it's hard, where, where unchaining myself and, and keeping, my, keeping myself unchained from the pursuit of status and achievement is hard. And, uh, and I'm in the, a major discernment process of, of changing some, some things uh, that I've been working on for several years. And it's, 
it's hard, but I'm engaged in the process. And that is the most important thing. Most people never engage in the process to begin with. They just want to see the progress. They just want to see the outcome, right? It's like, maybe if I sit here and I hope that someday I'll be fit, I'll be fit. But hope without action is, you know, nothing. Right. And, and so the, the point is, is that no matter how difficult it may be and whether you win or fail on a day-to-day basis, the very fact that you're engaged in the process is what matters. Right. So I'm going to ask you a question and it might be an awkward question for most people, but because we know each other, it, it's not as awkward, I guess. You've really been like a mentor, older brother to me f- since literally our first conversation. Uh, granted, that relationship developed a little bit more over time. Um, are you familiar with the term Jahari's window? No. So I think Jahari was like a philosopher or not a philosopher, but like a psychologist or something like that. But there, there's this thing called the Jahari's window. It's the unknown factor about yourself that you can't see because we're just blinded by our own thoughts or ambitions and stuff like that. So other people can see it, but not necessarily the individual trying to be reflective on themselves. Hmm. You, over these past six, seven months, you've, you've seen me at probably one of the most probably one of the most second difficult moments of my life over a period of, of six months, you know, had hurt, hurt the knee, had surgery, son went to the ER. We thought it was appendicitis. We lost a pregnancy. My wife went to the ER twice. My wife then was involved in a car wreck. And then the only other vehicle two days after the car wreck that we had broke down and that was no longer. Then we decided to, to give money to a girl who needed life-saving surgery in another country and we paid for half her surgery and then she dies on the operating table. And all this happened one after another after another for six months. And, oh man, it's been extremely painful. And there's another show more about that here in the near future coming. So my question to you, Mike, is, when, because we've had some some intimate conversations about what's happened in my life, what areas do you see that that I grew and developed in, and then what are some areas that you think that that might still need some grooming as well? Um, I I think that you don't need that. So let's start with the area that needs grooming. You ask for permission too often. Hmm. Um, Go into that. You, you, you have an intuition about what you're supposed to do. And then you call and you check in with like a dozen people on whether you should do it. Yeah. And I bet you, I haven't met a lot of your friends and people in your community, but I can pretty much guarantee you they probably would say, yep, that's true. You know? Yep. Nope. That's true. (laughs) That's what my wife tells me anyway. I mean, there's a difference between discernment and and doubt right mm. discernment's healthy like you should discern god's call on your life and and what you could be doing you know and and the fruit that it could generate in your life and the lives of others 
but doubt is when is when you is is like the evil twin of discernment right because it 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 makes you feel like you're discerning like you're not doing something you're holding back and you and doubt tries to trick you into believing that the reason you're holding back is because you're discerning but in fact you're not discerning you're just doubting and the way you do that is by going around and asking people for validation and and so i think that that's an area of growth for you and and it is for many people myself included you know because like we said when we stand on the precipice of taking action we put ourselves at risk we are vulnerable and and we might fail and it's not the failing that that is scary it's the people seeing us fail that's scary and so we just need to further remind ourselves and reinforce the fact that even if we do fail, we are still efficacious. We are still effective. And, um, and that's why going back to fitness, being, being in control of your physical body is incredibly important because it, it helps shape your mind. Um, an area of growth that I've in the last six months that I've, I've seen you in is your ability to act and, and to respond to people just saying, just shut up and go, man. Like just, you're overthinking it, you know, like just do it to quote Nike, you know, you, you know, you have become, more prone to taking action and to following your intuition and developing that. And, uh, and that's a skill that I don't necessarily think that you possessed in, in the past. And, and part of that was because of fear and you've become less afraid. Um, doesn't mean that you're fearless. I mean, fear is a good thing but you're moving into it and you're realizing that it's not going to kill you and you can face it using the gifts that you have, not trying to be anybody else, not trying to be anyone other than Evan Herman and putting down anybody else's armor that they've tried to put on you and picking up your own personal slingshot and taking down that Goliath. And you're okay with the fact that it might take time and it will take time. And some days you're okay with that more than other days, but you're okay with it. And, and that's what the janitor teaches in the book. He teaches t- the, that we need to develop time tolerance. Yeah. And so you have, you are in the process of developing that. And I've seen that change in you in the last six months. That, that's a very keen observation. I feel like, I mean, you're on both of those. You're, you're right on regarding this last one. I kind of had this epiphany where I put too much emphasis on trying to accomplish too much in a short amount of time that, that it almost became paralyzing the paralysis of analysis even to the point where I'm now looking at, okay, instead of, you know, trying to cram everything into 
60 days, six months, a year. What does this look like over four or five years? And, you know, that, that's been, I'm glad you said that because that's helped me realize that I have made that change a little bit more effectively in my life. And would you do it if you never saw the fruit of it? Would you continue to do it? At this point, I would say yes, because obviously I want the podcast to grow and I want more people to listen and I want to help people. And I would eventually like to monetize, but I'm getting so much value just from the conversations alone that it is worth the time, energy, and effort, you know, and that, and that's my trade-off right now is that getting to talk to amazing human beings and learning and growing and recording this journey just by itself is worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've just laid out the, the definition of passion right there, the willingness to suffer for something. And, you know, cause there, there's a great deal of effort and energy and resources that's put into this and, and it may never bear any fruit in the sense that, that we've been brought up to understand fruit of our labor, right. In the world, right. In the worldly sense, you know, certainly there's been fruit in relationships and, and those can be cultivated over an entire lifetime. Right. You know, Mike, you end your podcast with about three questions, which is where I got my idea to end the podcast in three questions or three questions. So I got three questions for you as we're wrapping things up. Okay. Bring it on. What is the biggest lie in self-talk you've had or currently struggle with? The biggest lie in my own self-talk that I current I've had or currently struggle with. That's a good one. Um, The biggest lie is that nobody cares. You know, I think that that's one that I've struggled with and, and continue to struggle with um, in my own, and it's a total lie. I know it is. And I call it out uh, immediately when I see it, you know, um, that, you know, that, that would definitely be a big one. Um, but you know, a, a one that used to be incredibly loud is, is that, uh, you know, because of that, because nobody cares, I shouldn't do it, right? And, and that's just not true either, you know? You know, I, I, like if you, we may not understand immediately when we're called to do something why or how we are called to do it but we need to move forward anyway because even if we don't feel like people care immediately they will care Mm. because especially for doing it out of love for another person they will feel that you said something that reminded me of a quick story if i can share it for one sec you talked about feeling called to do something. I, so I said my entire life, I've been wanting to be a pastor since I was seven. There was a moment my senior year, I was sitting in front of the dial up computer 
And I don't, I'm not going to say it was audible, but I just like heard this internal voice that says your first ministry will be in radio. That was it. And so then I pursued trying to be a radio DJ, like right out of high school with some local stations as I was going into college. And I even worked at a few radio stations as like a boards board op and they just, it never went anywhere. And I just totally threw that aside. And then you know, 10 years later after that, this opens up mm-hmm. and, and sometimes we think our calling is one thing or we, ch- even better yet, when we try to pursue our calling on our own out of God's timing, it's still the wrong thing. Yeah. And I'm just amazed how God's timing and everything has come together in this season for this time. So that's just, a yeah, well, that's one of the the biggest lies that, that we tell ourselves is that we either, we, we either tell ourselves that we have enough time or that we don't have time. Right. And sometimes we tell ourselves both of those at the same time. And we have to be okay with things unfolding and, and, and us getting redirected and having to reroute and, 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 and be engaged in that process and understand that there's nothing that all of those things, all of those reroutings and, and pivots and setbacks, all of those things can be reconstituted, reordered for the good of, of our fellow man. Right. You know, there's, it's just a matter of us deciding to make it so. Right. What brings you peace? What brings me peace is uh, being outside. My wife and I just got back from Ireland. We celebrated our 15th anniversary and it was just wild and beautiful. And it was just her and I, she and I. And just being together and being out in the wilderness and, and seeing God's beautiful, diverse creation and sharing that with the most important person in my life brought me a great deal of peace and consolation. And, and then just really taking that and, and being so grateful for that in prayer, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I love, being getting still and finding a still place uh, and, and really just meditating and reflecting on, on God's love for me and his promises and how they've, he's, he's always been faithful to me. Even when I'm was like, what the heck is going on here? Even when I've been unfaithful to him, he's never been unfaithful to me and, and will and will never be unfaithful to any of us because that would be denying himself, right? right. He is faithfulness. And uh, so, so that um, being outside, being quiet and spending that, those two times with the people that I love the most are, are what bring me peace. What's the best decision you've ever made? Asking Lisa to marry me. <laughs> you know, I've, I've known her since we were nine years old. Um, and we dated, um, for, you know, we, we, 
we didn't date at all during junior high or high school. We started dating when I was 21, I believe, or 22. And then she dumped me because she wanted to discern becoming a nun. And I knew that she wasn't called to become a nun, but um, because God had specifically told me there's very, there's been a few instances in my life where God has very clearly communicated to me that I'm supposed to do something. And he very clearly communicated to me that I was going to marry Lisa. Talk about God's timing. So I'm like, okay, I'm a man of action. I thought like, okay, right now, like I'm like going to pursue this with my whole heart. Well, he needed to work on her heart a little bit. And so we broke up. She discerned that she ultimately was not called to be a nun. Thank God. And, uh, <laughs> And we got back together and I asked for her hand in marriage. So that was definitely the best decision that I've ever made in my life. But truly, if we're really, and this might sound woo-woo or, you know, cliche or, or um, another word that I'm looking forward to describe this, but the reality is, is that we can take any decision that we've made, including bad ones, and make them good and make them best. That requires a lot of effort. It's not easy. It's simple, um, but it's not easy. And, and simple but not easy things are the best things to do. Mm. That's deep. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> Last question. How can I add value to you? You are, have been a, a generous human being and sharing the book and, and, and inviting me on your show. And, um, and this show is also going to air at the same time on my podcast, um, which is going to be kind of fun, a little cross promotion and a little bit of how master the key has impacted you. Um, just continue to do that and, and pray for me. Honestly, that's the biggest thing. The biggest way that you can add value to, to my life is, is praying for me because I've, I'm working on some things that are a little bit daunting and um, I really want to just be responsive to, to God's will and, and, um, and his call in my life. And some, sometimes that requires stepping out in faith and, and, uh, making a 90 degree turn when he thought you were going in one direction, you know? Mm. Um, but it's all part of his plan and will. And, and so just pray for me and all of that. Well, can I pray for you now? Or are you okay with that? Yeah, you may. Awesome. Well, God, we just come to you in your son, Jesus's name. I lift up my brother, Mike, father, God, but we just thank you for the call that you have placed on his life. But I thank you that the gifts that you've given him are without repentance or reproach. And I thank you that you have anointed him and that your Holy spirit is full within him, that he can hear the way you hear, love the way you love, speak the way you speak and see the way you see so that he can affect people's lives around him through your love and generosity. God, I thank you for the tasks that you have set before him, that he knows that he is called in this time. And as deadline approaches and as 
things tend to to grow and work has to be done, Father God. I thank you that in the midst of everything that he needs to do, that there will be a supernatural peace and a supernatural grace to be laser focused and that what he does is effective and there's not many revisions that need to be remade. God, we thank you that you use him as a vessel of your love in all areas of his life, Father God. And we speak life and health over him and his family and his marriage. And we speak community and wholeness. And we rebuke the devourer of any attacks that he might try to throw. We speak life and prosperity in every area of life over Mike and his family and business. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Beautiful prayer. Thank you, brother. I accept and receive that. You bet. Thank you. Well, brother, this has been a great time being on your show, and I can't wait to share this conversation with my audience as well. Not a problem. Do you have any questions that you want to end on your side with that are different than mine? You let's let's we can we can use the uh, the three questions that that I ask if if you want to. What's a skill yeah. set? What's a skill set that you currently possess that if you could turn it into a superpower, you would. So a skill you already have that if you could turn it from a ten to an eleven, you would. That would be connecting with other people in hard to reach places. I God has given me an ability to reach out and connect with people that for some reason are extremely difficult to do so. You do have that power and it definitely it, it definitely it, I've experienced it. <laughs> Next question is what are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing what we're capable of becoming? I think one of my first lies is that I'm not good enough that that what I have to say or to provide to the world is insignificant and that the other lie would be that I'm not called of God to have a plan and a purpose to reach other people. And then the third lie, and I'm just going to be vulnerable and honest, it would be that I chose the wrong spouse. Hmm. And I didn't. I have an amazing spouse, and we're not fighting or we're not angry with each other. But I know that there is an enemy that seeks to destroy the image of God, and a marriage here on earth is one of the best representations of the picture of God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's, that definitely is a powerful one. And unfortunately, 52% of the population succumb to that. So yeah. um, good for you for fighting that fight. Last question. It's a hundred years from now and you have left a set of instructions for a, a radio host. Okay. Since this is one of your, your original dreams, right? You've left a set of instructions for a radio host to come up with some programming that answers the question, how will Evan Herman measure his life? What elements 
of that program would it would be included? What kind of music? Who would be who would be guests on the show? Um, and lastly, how what would be the concluding remarks to end the episode? Hmm. Music wise, I don't know. I'd probably have to go with some sort of inspirational music slash talk over with the voice of James Earl Jones of positive <laughs> affirmations with my introduction. The show would be essentially the story of my life, kind of like an, a biography of the pains of losing one person close to me a year for 10 years, losing, having a stillborn child of going through financial hardships and all the brokenness that I've experienced as a person. And the whole context of the show wouldn't be in a net result to be perfect, but how to be whole in brokenness. Mm -hmm. That would be the context of the show. Who I'd like acting. Sorry, this, woof. This gets the heart here. I hope that I leave enough of a legacy in my own family and in my own children that it will reach generation after generation after generation of impact. And that my great, 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 great grandchildren would want to be the ones to act in this episode or video or be a part of this podcast as me. Beautiful answer, brother. Thank you. Not a problem. That wraps it up for me. All right, Mike, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, brother. Take care. You bet. Thanks, man. Awesome. Yeah, I you really bet, man. I this. Yeah, so. it was fun. So, um, just upload the, uh, if you could today, like send it to me in a Dropbox or a Google Drive folder. Okay. How do you, what do you normally do? I'll, the, I'll probably go to Google Drive. Yeah. Send, send it to me in Google Drive and I'll send it to my production team. And in that Google Drive folder, send me your headshot as well. Okay. Perfect. I can do that. Right on, man. Man, I had so much this fun. Was, Thank you. This was, yeah, this, this was, was awesome. a blast. This was All a right. blast. Well, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.